Uh, can we get a health update? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm actually on. I just had my 113th surgery on my the, during the pandemic. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask you on camera. Okay. Okay. Sure. So let's because uh, because I think I think it's relevant to to what you're doing. You you're you're wanting to put all your <laughs> cards on the table. Right. So, Patrick, good to see you again. Good to see you again, Matthew. How is your health? Uh, my health is good. It was, uh, I had a scare in the pandemic, had a tumor on my spinal cord, had to have surgery on that. That was quite an educational experience. I started off the pandemic walking seven and a half miles a day, and over time that just deteriorated and it got to be a mile, then it got to be 100 yards, then I was scooting around on my butt. Yeah. It turns out that I couldn't use my left leg because I had a big growth on my spinal cord. Oh, and you've had, and we've talked about this before, but you've had countless surgeries. That was 113. 113, and it started when uh, we were probably about the same age. I, I'm a stage four cancer survivor as well, but you, you first got cancer in your 30s? 20s. 20s. My 20s was basically dealing with yeah. that. So that's, that's part of your life. Glad to, well, knock on wood. Yeah. First, both. <laughs> well, you, you appear to be unstoppably stubborn, so I, I think that's one of the key ways to beat cancer. It's one of, one of the attributes I have that, that turned out to be suddenly useful that wasn't before. And having a purpose, having yeah. a purpose. Yeah, having a purpose. And Which how is are, what makes you stubborn. And how, how are the cats? You have one cat? I have three cats, I, and one of them has two eyes, and one of them has one eye, and one has no eyes at all. I call her Master Poe. After that old kung fu show, remember Master Poe, Little yeah. Grasshopper, when you yeah. can snatch pebbles from my hand, the blind Shaolin master. That's Master Poe, Che Guevara, and One-Eyed Jack. Interesting, Che, because my theory is that cats are far more libertarian than dogs are, which <laughs> really upsets dog lovers, but it's, it's sort of an objective fact. And you have, yeah, I thought I was a dog lover all my life until somebody introduced me to cats as a way to get me to learn to think about some other living organism and i you can keep dogs i like dogs have a purpose but uh i'm a cat guy and you have ragnar reardon and rourke yes after two iron Rand characters yes. and ragnar lothbrook yeah funny and uh they they are very much objectivists in in all their stereotypical splendor <laughs> But but we've uh, we've known each other. I was trying to think. Uh, we've known each other uh, five or six years, and I, gosh, it seems longer. Yeah, and maybe it's and I can't no, measure it, time anymore because I'm old. But uh, yeah, it's all. Was it? Did we meet each other up in uh, New Hampshire? Yeah, and that and we had known each other a little bit by them. But at first, at an Austrian economics conference in Fairfax, uh, Freedom Fest um, for several years, and then uh, Pork Fest in New Hampshire. And so we've we've gotten to know each other and 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 talked about a lot of things from libertarian philosophy to um, how blockchain is going to change the world to mm -hmm. politics. And I think that the context of what we're going to talk about today it's important. And I heard you say this just the other day. You've you've you don't really have like a partisan dog in the things we're going to talk about. You're you're a libertarian. Correct. Absolutely. And this is 
there's a great deal of ethical conflict going on. I'm trying to tread a lot of different lines. I do have a friend that's been important to my life, a guy named Steve Tron. He was a colonel in the Army, but I knew him. We were grad students at Stanford together many 30-odd years ago. And I always admired him because we became friends, and I knew him probably for about 18 months before he would ever share a political opinion. And he comes, he's a very, he comes from one of these families that I think every male back to the revolution, it's just they enter the, the, the military, they rise up when they leave at some point and go on with their life, but they all serve. And this is very honorable family. And he taught me that, that that's what it was, and not that I'm a military officer or anything, but because I've occasionally been asked to do the kinds of things that, that with Wall Street and such that we'll be discussing, that... I felt a, an ethical obligation publicly to never support one presidential candidate or another. And for example, in 2012, people look up, I was on Fox with, um, I forget who it was, Greta Van Susteren. And she, it was a few, a week or two before the election. And she said basically, so I assume you're going to vote for Romney. And I said, that, that's when I decided, no, I shouldn't. So anyway, I, I, I do like, I like libertarian. I mean, being libertarian is one way to avoid supporting either candidate. And to me, that seems like the right, has always seemed like the right thing to do and not to be supportive of one candidate or another. And I'm going to stick to that. Uh, my, my role here is just to come forward with some facts. And, uh, and I think it would be, I have a duty uh, to do so before this election. Yeah. I actually had, anyway, so I'll stop there. Yeah, so this is a, essentially, um, October's surprise is the wrong way to say it, but it's, uh, it's, it's things that you want people to know about before the election, which is why you're doing this right now. Right, well, and it gets a bit more complicated than that. A year, so let me explain. My relationship with Uncle Sam now is extremely frosty, yeah. and I'm going to be lucky if I don't go to prison. I went last year, I got a message after I came public, about really what you're going to learn is about a fourth of the story is what I came public with last year. I got word that burn you owe us 15 years for that. And but what was sort sort of the rough understanding reached was that I would keep quiet until after the election. So this was over a year ago that you just keep your mouth shut for a year. After the election, you can tell the whole story burn. But until then, you trust the process. And I said fine, but I but. I also suggested I'm not going to be with any solution that does not include one somebody coming forward with a story. Yeah. And I've been waiting all year, and I don't blame them. I've never been involved. I don't know what it, it takes for them to do a federal investigation. But Durham, the message I got at the beginning of the year was that John Durham was going to be do, taking whatever action by May or June. COVID starts going, and that slides to August, then becomes the end of the summer, and then... I was still hoping that the system would take care of itself when in uh, Comey and McCabe were supposed to speak at Congress in the first week of October. And I was I was expecting them to get, uh, for all this to get revealed then. It did not end the John Durham investigation. They said they're not going to do anything before the election. I think that, I hope that releases me from the gentleman's agreement that was reached a year ago. But yeah. Let me be clear, everything I say, no one is endorsing or allowing me to be here, and everything I say, every secret is a 15-year penalty. Yeah. So it's, it's 
and it and the story is 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 quite fantastical. We were we were joking earlier that this is right out of the movie um, Burn After Reading, right? Which is a combination of horrible tragedy and and comedy about about the the deep state and sort of bumbling around and and trying to do things. But the, but the headlines here are RussiaGate, and that, and your claim is that RussiaGate was not about Trump, that it was well into the works long before anybody knew that Trump would be the nominee. Secondly, yeah, yeah. that um, you were involved in a sting operation with the FBI to um, catch Hillary Clinton taking a bribe from a foreign country. That's correct. And and third, and I'll, I'll read this because um, this, this, is, this is why I want people to go through all these details because these are these are um, profoundly shocking allegations. The Mueller investigation, I'm reading this from your website. The Mueller investigation was not a witch hunt. As Republicans allege, it was worse. It was a cover-up. And I want to get into all that. And I remember after we finished the last episode in April uh, that you, you did in that chair, uh, April 2019, afterwards, you were telling me that something big's coming. And you couldn't tell me what, um, but it's you're like, this is going to be... Amazing, and I hope that I survive it. Well, you've you've come out and and started to tell that story, um, and it, it was in the context of you revealing that you had had an affair with uh, Maria uh, Butina. Butina. Um, now, just to be clear, I'm not married. Never been married. No girlfriend. Sure. So I, I guess affair is the wrong word. Then you had there, a relationship. Yeah, she was living with a Republican guy, but yeah. well, actually, we, uh, who knows. I'm, as somebody else said, I'm I'm not Doctor Phil. Yeah. Anyway, but and 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 you've talked about that extensively. But she ended up um, in prison um, as a spy. Like, how would you explain? I, <laughs> I know you think it was a as a setup, but but why did she go to jail? She went to jail because she was an unregistered foreign agent uh, acting on such as the. Uh, is the deal she took in the allegation that she was an unregistered foreign agent acting on behalf of a uh, of a foreign government? However, she she, she would maintain her reply to that is well, I wasn't really acting on behalf of the government. I was there was one there is one senator, this guy Torsion, to which I Maria am close to, and secondly, she would say I wasn't really acting on his behalf. We are philosophical liberals. We're part of a group of philosophical liberal reformists within the Kremlin, and we were trying to find other people of our bent in the United States. So she didn't understand herself as a spy. It, you know, Russia has a, Russia is the master. Back in the days of the Tsar, they were the master of setting up dissident organizations and seeing who showed up. Mm -hmm. And the KGB did that. And it is quite possible this is the hand of Putin behind it. I do believe Marie is what she thinks she is. But I don't know this guy Torsion and so forth. But anyway, so it was a very complicated story like that. Is she still in prison? No, she was released uh, in October, about a year ago. Oh, actually, yeah, it was just, I think, yesterday. And she's back in Moscow. And okay. we're in sort of distant contact, and she's okay. And Okay. Um, so the – and that um, – you've, you've documented that whole um, episode um, exhaustively on your website, deepcapture.com. And I, I would recommend that everybody that wants to dig deeper, you've, you've documented exhaustively everything you're about to tell me. 
Um, but I want to get to the second part of the story. You, you, had, um, you had a relationship uh, with the FBI and through them, the CIA, um, and were like uh, cooperating on that particular issue. But that became uh, them coming to you and wanting you to um, participate in a sting operation on Hillary Clinton. Let me let me address that for first, and it's it's odd because every conspiracy theory you ever read is the CIA. This is the first one. It isn't the CIA. However, the director of the CIA was involved, and how that comes to be turns out. Uh, and the FBI was involved, but the FBI it was a very special chain. So Brennan and Comey. Brennan and Comey, yeah. and it was very centralized. It was it was outside the normal command and control structure of the FBI. And the, the agents with whom I worked may, uh, explained all that to me. And they also explained that, so I was, I was working for Comey, but a very direct relationship and orders were coming from, from him. And Brennan had signed a piece of paper and some law was passed in 2008 that said the director of the CIA could sign some piece of paper and basically take the steering wheel, take the steering wheel of the FBI and that they had done so on this issue of Maria Butina and the Russians. And so for that reason, my chain of command was, I was dealing with men in black, and I don't even like to say agents because they're very, I mean, it, the FBI does not really deserve to have its image as tarnished as I'm afraid it's going to have. And when you say men in black, you're talking about rank and file. FBI men. Good soldiers, honest men. Yes. And they were, uh, and they were, and it was from them, I was told uh, the titles of the people, and they, it turns out to match up with Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe, and then James Comey, and then John Brennan. So John Brennan was actually t- had taken the wheel of the FBI and was making these decisions. And then at one point I was told this is all being done at the personal request of President Obama. Yeah. And you remain sort of like um – agnostic as to whether or not Obama knows the dirty details of this whole thing. Yes, I think in honesty, I should say, first, I hope he doesn't. I hope that this does not incriminate him. But at the and and it's quite possible this is all a Brennan or Brennan Comey gig or the and, and or that this is a deep state coup as uh, so it's going to be up to the John Durham investigation to reveal what my chain of command really was. But I can tell you there was a chain of command instructing yeah. these agents to do what they were having me do. And, and let's, so let's get into details of the, the Hillary Clinton sting, which you do describe as a soft coup yes. attempt by, by the deep state, specifically the head of the FBI and CIA. Well, let's, I'm just going to say my chain of command. The chain of command behind the three men in black with whom I was dealing. So it's going to be up to Durham to say who that chain of command was. I was being told. Well, as I go through, I'll tell you, I'll explain what I was told the chain of command was. Is that fair? Yep. Shall I walk yep. through that story? Yes, please. What the whole story? Do you have a? Uh, let's let's do the whole story because I I feel like um, understanding this in the context of of the 2016 election is is everything to this to the broader story. Right. Well, that's when this. So the the Maria. The there were two periods I dated Maria that will become relevant, and the first was. July of 2015 to March of 2016 in the but and yet was informing actually what I was trying to do was bring her she wanted to be a back channel for peace and I was trying to make that happen 
and it turned she made it she turned it romantic and so anyway that was but that whole period the government was very aware and giving me some direction but i would say that was more her doing than they're doing or my doing in the middle of that or near the end of that they came to me and said uh, the uh, and i don't like the men in black i'm i i'm deliberately vague about how this actually works but i'm describing face-to-face interactions and they said we need you to shift to working on something more important patrick uh the fbi is setting hillary clinton up in a sting and we want you to facilitate a bribe for her and they walked so i'll walk through what happened first they taught me about the legal theory under a bribe and it's ultimately important to know enough of this, and that is that, do you mind if I take a moment to sure, explain? Yeah. What they, they said, look, a, a, a cop can't just, undercover cop can't just walk up to a stranger and say, you want to buy some cocaine? Because it, that's entrapment. I'm, he's getting you to do something you probably wouldn't have done. The, half, the prosecutor needs to be able to show that you had a prior disposition, that you were already disposed to buy the cocaine, and which they do by establishing that you committed one or more predicate acts, such as you pulled your car over at the right street corner and you rolled your window down, you, that these are predicate acts that establish. So therefore, when the guy comes up and tries to sell you cocaine, it's a good sting. It's not an entrapment. Cool? Yep. So Hillary Clinton, they told me, and this is what was going on. There were two groups in the FBI. So this is... This is this is about a year before. I don't want to be too specific, but it was about a year before the election, this conversation. Uh, they said, Hillary Clinton, there's two groups in the FBI investigating the Clintons. One is after her emails, and we think that's a whitewash, Patrick. But the second group is in New York, and it's a group of agents that are looking into financials, and they really want to put her ass in stir. Comey has been, I mean, that the, the, they're serious. Not that they were doing anything inappropriate, but they were trying to follow the law. Comey, or enforce the law, Comey was blo- is blocking them, Patrick. That was just my own little editorial insertion. So back in their voice, they're saying, Patrick, Comey has been blocking them and says there is n- there's not been enough predicate act to establish that she has a prior disposition to justify the FBI setting her up in a sting. However, Patrick, information has come in that Hillary took a bribe. And I'm going to call I here now, Matt, and I'm just going to call that bribe number one. They told me that it was a foreign government. I'm sorry. You want to cut in? No, no. Keep going. If you want to cut in, just don't. No. Just feel free. I don't want to ramble. They they told me it was a uh, a foreign government. They told me how much it was. It was in the low tens of millions of dollars, and they told me how it was done and such. And they said that when the information came in, that group in New York had used it as leverage to force Comey to sign off on a sting and comey had signed off on going they used an expression called i think aggressive investigative techniques or something and so they'd gotten permission to set up a sting and now patrick that group in new york is reaching out and wants you to uh facilitate hillary getting a bribe uh how that was to be done i'm also going to be vague about other than they were aware let or or of a foreign government that wanted to pay her a bribe. And they, uh, this gets, so anyway, they were aware of a foreign government, it was a country to which I'd never been. And they said, I think they gave me two months as I recall. And they said the end state is, you know, that foreign government, and that this bribe was, I they understood to be in the uh, uh, teens, millions. And it was in return for, real quid pro quo, in return for, in return for this, Hillary, President Hillary's policy towards this country is going to be 
this? You know, was it sell tanks, sell F-22s? I'm not going to go into it, but a specific aspect of American foreign policy and a straight quid pro quo. Um, so without without getting into, into too much detail, you, you proceeded because you, you know people from a long history of, of doing business and all the stuff you do. And, yeah, yeah and, business guy. And you... You facilitated this. Well, before I did, I, I, I should tell this one part of the story about the authorization, and it's really important. Before I made the decision to do it, mind if I share this? Yeah. I said, who's uh, – so I helped, I helped the FBI attack, attack Wall Street 10 to 12 years ago, and I was part of that big investigation that led to about 200 people going down, as I recall. I think 120 did prison time. And if that sounds fanciful, there's in that in that blog that you're giving a link to, there's an embedded video from a Fox appearance somebody, a U.S. attorney made a year ago who confirmed, yeah, I was, he confirmed that story that I had come in and tr sort of triggered this massive investigation of Wall Street. So I knew the people to go to. Uh... And they knew me from that. I don't hang around. It's not like I spend my time. But that I also helped them take down a murderer once. A guy murdered my friend, and I helped them get. I helped justice be served anyway. So it was. It was anyway. This isn't like they came and asked me to do this. I said, uh, "What's the?" And when I do things like that, I've always said, "The fewer pieces of paper between us, the better." I don't want any. Uh, on this, I said, I think I'm going to need a letter from you. And there's letters that they can give you that when they ask you to do something that would be illegal, that at least, you know. And they said, let us think, let us go back to the office and talk about it. They came back a few days later. We met. They said, you, uh, you, you, we've been instructed to tell you we can't give you a letter. But the director says, if you'll come to Washington, you can be shown a letter. I said, oh, this is coming from Director Comey. And they both simultaneously said, essentially said, <coughs> and I said, oh, Director Comey and the president? And they both go, <coughs> I said, okay. Hmm. Well, you can tell Director Comey and President Obama that a <coughs> from them is good enough for me and consider Hillary bribed. Mm -hmm. So, and I deliberately used their names so there could not be any ambiguity. And... So I had, it took six weeks, and without going into the details, there came a point six weeks later where there was a bag man from that government. There was a room. Oh, well, uh, the specifics of the assignment were that there's going to be a room where Hillary Clinton walks in, and this bag man, you find the bag man, he's going to walk in, and they spend 10 minutes alone. And you take it from there. So it was sort of up to me to how do you create that state of affair within two months. And within six weeks, there came a point where we were 13 hours away. Hillary had accepted such a meeting. A way had been created to keep it out of her schedule, which I can walk you through if you want. If it's too detailed, I don't want to. Yeah, let's not go into that okay. detail. And, yeah, thanks. And the bag man was in place, and it was all going to happen 13 hours later. Uh, at that point, mind if I take a drink? Sure. And yeah. if you want to yeah, break like, in. It, and that, so, so everything is set up. And the deal's going to go down, and at the eleventh hour, suddenly word from on high is no, no, no. The deal's going to go down, and then the curtain comes over for me, and I don't know whether the deal happens or not. 
I'm not, and I wasn't even. I okay. was, I was deep background pulling strings. I, I'm my name is not something Hillary Clinton would have ever heard. Sure, I'm just deep background pulling strings. But it's just the nature of the way this reality was structured in this case that I'm not there to understand. But two or three days later, the Men in Black are back in my life, and we're talking, and I'm all excited. Did it happen? Did it, you know? <laughs> And they said they never told me if it happened or not. They didn't. I. They didn't tell me if Hillary showed up and accepted or not. They told me, Patrick, this mission has been scrubbed from the highest level. You need to forget every second of this, and we mean it. You need to forget every second of this happened. And I said, Why is that? And they said, Look, Hillary is going to be president, and nothing. And this was this was Q1 2016. Uh, they said Hillary's going to be president, and nothing's going to stop that. Yeah. And uh, it's we've realized that it's been decided that look, Hillary, what moment she's president, the day she's president, she's going to send her people over to the FBI, and they're going to ask who was part of investigating Hillary Clinton. And anyone who was, we're all going to be destroyed. This includes you too, Patrick. So it has been decided from the highest levels this whole mission is getting scrubbed. And we mean it. You got to forget every second of this. You understand us? I said, yes, sir. I went back to my life, but that was so. I'll stop there. Any questions so far? Well, the, so your your theory um, to get to that point was that this entire operation was designed to have dirt on Hillary. Well, no, no. Well, that's that comes next. Okay, that comes next. Okay. So after a couple weeks, I sort of got back in touch, and I said. This isn't sitting right with me. And it's normally they who just appear, but this one, uh, they, I have a way to reach the man in black when I need to. And they, we met, and I let them know that this wasn't sitting completely correctly with me. And over a long meeting, eventually the hair was let down. And there were, there's actually four different federal types of people involved in this of three different varieties, let's say three different camouflage patterns. Mm -hmm. And... I'm, what I'm going to say is you can say it is a very fair summary of their collective belief. And their collective belief was as follows. Uh, uh, at this point, Patrick, President Obama has his people across the federal bureaucracy and especially the Department of Justice. The Hillary is going to be president for eight years, and nothing is, can change that, or nothing's going to change that. But while she's president, think of there's being a Bunsen burner at the center of the Department of Justice. You remember, Matt, your mm -hmm. Bunsen High School chemistry? Yeah, so a Bunsen burner within the DOJ, and the hand on that Bunsen burner is going to be one of Barack Obama's people. And that way, for the eight years she's president, uh, Barack Obama is going to manage Hillary Clinton. Then she's going to step down. And Michelle's going to run. And Patrick, that's the plan. S and so, so, so it was an explicit um, yeah, tool to control the agenda of the next president. I'll even tell you something that now I'm trying to limit myself in general to what I know from direct my participation. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can tell you that in the course of so uncle sam and i will never be friends again he's really frosty with me and so i'm i'm trying to minimize how much more damage i do to anything he uh, he's about but in the course of this investigation i have occasionally been contacted 
and ask questions. And they can't really do that without at some point revealing certain things. And in that process, I've learned a few things. So what I'm going to tell you doesn't come from my direct participation back in the soft, what is effectively, would you agree you can call that a soft coup, what I described? Yeah. But comes from the, in the, in the investigation, I've learned that it has been confirmed. There was something called Operation Snow Globe, like a kid's snow globe, Christmas snow globe. And Brennan and, o Brennan and Obama wanted Hillary in the snow globe. That way they could pick it up anytime they wanted for eight years mm -hmm. and rock her world and shake her up. And my the bribe that I facilitated was the lure to get her to step into the snow globe. I thought I was helping them do legitimate law enforcement. And I only learned this phrase this several months ago. But it's a confirmation of what this story was as I experienced it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a scary phrase. <laughs> yeah, I can also tell you that I was shown a picture of a bank document which would be consistent with bribe number two. So bribe number one is the bribe they told me about that justified setting up a sting, and then bribe number two was the sting that I, the bribe that I facilitated. They have shown me a picture of a bank record to ask if I knew, if I recognized anything. I didn't, but that is consistent with the facts of bribe number two. So let's uh, let's fast forward to your your claim that the Mueller investigation wasn't. Um, I, I forgot the quote, but it wasn't it wa wasn't a witch hunt. It was a cover-up. It was a cover-up, um, and it, 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 it's launched as, as early as 2015, trying to, to create this, this narrative that Russian agents are, are engaged with Republican operatives and politicians, and uh, Maria was, was very much part of that. that um, yeah, they not only knew about her from the day she landed, and it has been confirmed to me that the message I sent in, so the day I met her, I think it was July 10th, ish uh 2015 if you've seen when she got arrested they started playing endlessly on msnbc clips of a dot candidate trump at a at a freedom fest convention and this russian redhead stand you remember seeing that on TV? I, I was at that speech were you yeah. i i had left town. as far as i know i had no contact with with russian agents real or not <laughs> Well, I had I had left town that morning, but if you remember, I actually oh, I did the opening keynote of that conference, yep. and I did a panel, and I think I may have done another talk, and or maybe uh, anyway, she. I uh, think we did something with you. I. I think we did a panel yeah. together, yeah. and maybe with um, George Gilder or somebody. I, yeah. uh, anyway, but she came up to me. And after the first, she's very I'm not just physically striking, but she's she's an operator, you can tell. She's a very sophisticated person. And there was a bit of a line of people waiting for autographs, and she waited until they were done, but then approached me. She talked to me about guns the first time. I know that we, Liberty people, are, are gun-minded, weapon, and I have them, but to me, they're like dogs. They have a purpose. I don't fetishize them. I don't, you know. And so I kind of brushed her off. She came up the next day and said, actually, I've come from Russia to make contact with you patrick anyway i'm going into too much detail what do you want yeah. to know about the maria story so the i mean the, the 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 thing that's interesting about this is like on the one hand um you're you're claiming that the obama administration is trying to catch hillary in a crime so that they own and control her for the next eight years of her administration uh, simultaneously i guess the, the the same agencies the fbi and the cia 
are creating this um, Republicans are in the pockets of Putin yep. type narrative that leads all like uh, apparently they never imagined that that President Trump would become president. And the Mueller investigation was was not part of that plan originally. It, it couldn't have been. Correct. They were they were engineering. I call it in that paper and that on deep capture. I call it a Cano scandal. They were certainly engineering the Cano scandal by September 2015. I think there's a chance they were. Well, I suspect they were engineering it in July of 2015. Uh, and they, but I know they knew about Maria Butina then, and yeah. I let her. That's that's why I explained the circumstances of our meeting. I immediately, she was asked me to come to Russia and meet central bankers and talk about blockchain and meet liberals and the power structure, because I have a very minor, low-level second lieutenant type clearance associated, frankly, with some foreign policy advising. I had a duty to call it in and say, "Are you guys going to be cool?" And I talked to them about every five years. But I have had it where I've come back from some distant land and I land and I get rolled up and they keep me for four hours and hassle me. And I wanted to make sure that didn't happen this time. Yeah. So that's why I sort of called it in. The men in black came back in. They, But it's like if you danced with a woman on and off over the years and you knew how she danced and you knew how you danced together and then one day she shows up and she's just dancing different. It's kind of hard to explain, but she was dancing different. They, she was dancing different in September 2015, probably in July of 2015, which is like the same month Trump declared. And it may have been started based on some things Maria told me about a visit she made here in, I think it was March of 2015. I have a f hunch that actually it was being cooked up by March of 2015, which is before Donald Trump even announced. My point being, this whole scandal has nothing to do, Russiagate has nothing to do with Trump. Yeah. It was all being engineered on the Republican Party. Yeah. So, like, uh, one, one point that's, that's important for everyone to understand is that you engaged the FBI first because you felt you had a, a patriotic duty to make sure that they understood what you were doing and that if there was a problem, you wanted them to know about it. Well, actually, and I'd say uh, f three things. First, because I didn't want a problem for myself if I accepted her invitation. Secondly, I actually thought she represented an opportunity, and I'll go into that. But it was her, it, her first talk was quite interesting. It was when we were first alone. Her talk was, Patrick, you know, Russia, I'm a proud Russian, I'm loyal to Russia, but we know that there has been this strong man history. I'm, I'm not, uh, and she said, believe it or not, there's a group of liberals within the Russian power structure at this point. And General Kalishnikov was a liberal. Classical liberals. Classical liberals. Yeah. And well, I think it's time we reclaim our word. I'm yeah. just going to say liberals from now on because these, you know, they, they stopped being able to sell socialism as socialism about 90 years ago after the Wobblies. And so they, re, they stole our word. So yep. the liberals, so we're, she, we're going to steal it back. We're going to, well, <laughs> repossess it. Yeah. And, and she said, Kalishnikov started this group and it's a group for gun rights. But what it really is, it's a club within Moscow for liberals. And that General Kalishnikov, believe it or not, he was a liberal. He was a liberal too, Patrick. And, you know, do you know what it means in our culture that a 93-year-old General Kalishnikov chose me, a 24-year-old Russian girl, to, to lead this organization? 
I said, of course, I know he's like a mythical figure to you folks. And she, so that, so that's really what this was about. She felt that she was, what she believed she was doing was that she was part of a, a gun rights slash club for liberals mm-hmm. of the, she told me, look, there's 50 oligarchs who run Russia, but there's seven who really run Russia. I am on very close, very close personal terms with four of seven. And there are liberals across Russia. And we know that Basically, she painted a picture that they that this reformist element wants Russia to rejoin the Western liberal tradition. However, she was an idealistic kid, and she made clear several times, we are not talking about anything disloyal. President Putin is our elected president, and she clearly admires Putin. Um, he, you know, he's, she's a Russian nationalist. Mm-hmm. So that's the backstory on her. She, you know, she's like an Ayn Rand type. But you, but you thought, like, you're... Your motivation on this point is that you thought there was an opportunity to get to peace. Yeah. I am involved. Which is the liberal goal on everything. Right. I am involved in some foreign policy circles, and I could have opened doors. Before I opened doors and before I went to Moscow to meet anybody, I wanted to – I certainly felt if I had done that without calling it into my clearance authority, that's the kind of thing. It's a crime. Yeah. So that's how it all got started. So, um, and you've you've said this as well. It's in, it's important to point out that um, uh, Mueller report or not, um, it is pretty clear that Russians and Putin in particular sort of enjoy watching Americans tear each other apart um, through all of this, and and they did they did spend some money on some Facebook ads and all that, but. It, it's, it seems like most of these wounds are self-inflicted by Americans and well they have nothing to do with Putin. Well said. In fact, in March of 2017, when we broke up, they, uh, they said to me, you know, this was all, they even used the name for a type of intelligence operation, which is just, I forget that there was some official sounding name, but it basically meant just create a shitstorm. Yeah. Go into a country and by bribing different people and playing different games and having, you know, some lawyer from one country go and visit somebody, you can create a situation so that after the fact, whoever wins, you can sort of reveal, turn over different cards and get everybody chasing each other and just create this shitstorm. And Patrick, that's what Putin's doing. It wouldn't matter who would won. Yeah. The, um, but as I say in that essay, the grifters have a saying, you can't con an honest man. You, they Putin could not have done that to us if we had a discourse that was intellectually honest. And it has become so ideological. It, that's the only reason. You, know, you can't con an honest man. Putin have, could not have done this to an honest country. Are we doing that to ourselves? Are we being manipulated into believing that um, the two sides are so desperately dangerous that we have to stop them at all costs? Because that's what it feels like. You have to choose a team and you have to fight to the death to defeat the other team. It's both, but in the reverse order. We are, in fact, being manipulated. There are, in fact, elements conducting hybrid warfare against the United States. We are amplifying it. We're amplifying it with this deranged discourse. Uh, You know, when did we become the country where the First Amendment doesn't count and and hate speech, you know, isn't free speech and stuff like this, and that there is no presumption of innocence, and that property rights aren't respected, and that you, you know you have a First Amendment right to peaceably assemble, yeah, but not uh, what's going on. So, yeah. and that I believe that is being well, I know that is being uh, it's being stimulated uh, by uh, in a mechanical way, but it is it is persisting through you know we're doing it to ourselves in that sense. Yeah, that. Uh, fomented for sure, and if you read the 
the sort of Marxist literature going all the way back to Marx, like violence is part of how they uh, jolt society out of late stage capitalism so that we can move on to the beautiful world of communism. And you, you see it playing in the streets. There's, there's a philosophy behind it and it's, it's, it's horrible. It's deadly. It's horrible. Yeah. People are being manipulated. And I understand young, well, and young people who are, uh, uh, well, to some degree it's being bought and I'm not ready to reveal that. And other people will reveal that, but it's being paid for. Yeah. Setting that aside, it's, uh, to me, I think it's partly a function of our, of our education has gotten so bad Nobody is taught civics. Nobody is taught the, the the blueprint and why it works or why it worked for so long and how it's self-improved and so forth. And instead, they're taught this ideological garbage, and they don't even know their own history. They don't even, you know, uh, that they don't they don't understand. They're not defending the principles because they haven't yeah. even been exposed to the principles. When what's scary about that is, as Mark Stein says, the real lesson of World War II, intellectuals took the wrong lesson. They thought the right lesson, the correct lesson from World War II was don't be nationalistic. The correct lesson from World War II is as soon as they s- challenge the, s- the values of liberalism, you defend them. You defend the values of liberalism as quick as they get challenged. So if I if I get this right, um, the government interests that you were working with absolutely did not want you to speak publicly about. And I'll, for simplicity's sake, I'll call it Hillary Gate and Russia Gate are the sort of the two things that that you found yourself entangled in. And in October 2018, on your website, you you say that a federale came to you and made you an offer you couldn't refuse. Yeah. Tell that story. Yeah. The following words were uttered by a federal agent that I, Patrick, had to understand that we have, that there are billionaires walking around this world that we made and we're prepared to do the same for you. You just have to stay calm. You just have to stay quiet through the election. I, my reaction was such that I think they understood that how offended I was. Uh, I was here two days later speaking with a congressman with oversight responsibilities. I had actually visited him four months earlier, uh, three or four months earlier, when I first sort of put the last pieces fell into place. I'd, I'd found a congressman I could trust, didn't know him previously, researched different people on the giving oversight, found one congressman I could trust with a senior military officer from the special operations community, which I trust. And I met with them and started explaining what was really going on. I went back a second time. It was a few months later when that bribe was made or what sounded like a bribe. Uh, I let them know then. So you want me to tell the next? Why don't you tell yeah. the next section? Because yeah, yeah. it sounds... <laughs> well, the, 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 the part that's interesting, because I think I think what most people know about this story is that they know that you had a relationship with uh, Maria Butina and they know for some reason that's not quite clear um, you decided to step down as CEO of the company you founded overstock.com <laughs> yeah. and we've we've talked about overstock and we've talked about blockchain and all that stuff and what I didn't know until I read your website and I assume this is this is easily documentable Correct. public information. There's a link there. There's yeah. a link right there. Uh, Peter Strzok's wife, Melissa Hodgman, and this was six weeks after the offer that you couldn't refuse was made, which you declined, um, opened an investigation on you and your firm, overstock.com. And I assume that was sort of an ongoing 
attack yes. on your company. Yes. In, that, industrial that, espionage. <laughs> well, it, I didn't realize it was her until I didn't realize I didn't connect the dots until March of 2019. Yeah. And here's something else funny. Melissa Hodgman is an assistant director of enforcement at the SEC. She's also the wife of Peter Strzok. Uh, she runs a group within the enforcement division of the SEC that does international capital stuff. So it was her group that opened this investigation on me, on, on Overstock. Uh, nothing, nothing burger like that always is with the SEC. They've had to issue me three letters over the years where they say we investigated all our allegations. We found not. It's like taking their scalp. They hate yeah. that. They've also had three. Anyway. Uh, Melissa Hodgman runs this part of the enforcement division. She opened an investigation on me six weeks after I was visibly upset by such an offer. Let's say she also, when you research her, she became the assistant director of enforcement a few hours after the Hillary email scandal broke. And she led the SEC's investigation of the that angle of the investigation into Hillary's email was led by Peter Strzok's wife. Yeah. Who then later when I and I used to the orders that I was giving get being given about all this stuff about especially all the Maria stuff was coming I was told the name, the titles and it was Peter Strzok and it was Andy McCabe under under James Comey. And uh it's you know so I don't know. I don't mean I'm not sure you have to be Fellini to figure yeah. out the, the meaning of all that. Well, you um, I mean, it, it would be hard to imagine that you did any of this for financial gain because it probably it, cost me 100, 200 million bucks. Yeah, it exposes you to to all sorts of new enemies. And so this so this is why you left Overstock.com. Yeah, this once I understood, especially by March of 2019, March of last year, once I understood that's what was going on. I felt I had a fiduciary duty to slide, make my exit. There's, it even gets more technical. There's a list of companies that gets uh, published daily that are whose stock is not settling. In other words, it's being manipulated. It's called the Reg Show List. Now, those of us in, there are a lot of us who think that regulation is extraordinarily weak anyway, much weaker than it should be, but there's a regulation. Uniquely, in the case of one company, they occasionally uh, disband enforcement of the regulation, and that's Overstock.com. And they did it about a decade ago regularly, and they also started doing it then. They stopped, they stopped enforcing even the most floppy regulation you can imagine against stock manipulation. So somewhere in there, I began to take, take the hint that it probably was time that yeah. it was shareholders interest i at least had to prepare i actually thought that there'd be sort of a i thought i i thought there was a 50 50 chance i could surf through it all successfully wasn't to be but i i i knew the risks i thrilled the dice uh, but the net result is you you sort of shed yourself of exposure that you could be um, owned with yeah that they can't get at me by destroying my company which right. is clearly what they it did at, at different points in my in its existence. So now you're a free agent, and I put and all my money in gold in a place they can't touch: gold, Bitcoin, and Ravencoin. Yeah, and uh, which I Ravencoin, I, I was myself and a guy named Bruce Fenton uh, from long ago in the day of Bitcoin of blockchain invented. Uh, really, Bruce over a lunch, 
And so I put my money in that and just got out. Actually, I went I went over to Asia and disappeared for a while. Yeah. Sort of off the grid. Hmm. But you're back on the grid a week before the election. Yeah. Well, I actually came for it on October 6th. And I'll make clear, I, I offered immediately to go on MSNBC and CNN. By the way, they have all been dying. Well, CNN, I shouldn't... You can't believe the news organizations that have over the last year wanted me to come and tell them the rest of the story. I let them know. I don't mean to embarrass individuals, but you, this story was made available a year ago. There were four major news organizations who were exposed to it with, and, and I should be clear, Sarah Carter and Matt Taibbi each did something respectable. Two other major news organizations, even though I provided documentary evidence and a government person who confirmed to them that what who confirmed to them that I'm connected to the stuff that I'm describing here confirmed them and they refused to run a word. They knew the whole story. Yeah. There's the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. I won't say the name of the the individuals, but yeah. it was I'm by the way, this this is a tangent, but I'm fascinated how much I agree with Matt Tiabi anymore. <laughs> He's great. And when He's intellectually yeah, honest lefty. Yeah, and it's like that seems to be a rarity these days, and I could say that across the political spectrum, I suspect. Well, but I think that the left went completely deranged on Russia Gate. I'm this is, you know, there's another one is Noam Chomsky. I have to if you look back to February of I think it was 2019, uh, right before the Mueller report came out, there were two people of the left who were saying to the left, "You folks are deranged." You've whipped yourselves into this fury. There is no evidence whatsoever. We're supposed to be the party of science. There's no evidence whatsoever. And it was Chomsky and it was Matt Taibbi were both saying that. And they were only two people on the left that I was aware of. So that's just that's just being intellectually honest. Yeah. The um, I don't I don't know how much you can talk about this, but the the Attorney General's office, Bill Barr, and an investigator named Durham, um, is supposedly um, pursuing. A lot of these things, I mean, it's the Hillary Clinton investigation. Um, I'm not sure what exactly the scope of that is. Um, but uh, uh, didn't Durham just say that this isn't going to happen before the election? Yes, and that's why I came forward. That's yeah. why I said that releases me from the deal I made a year ago. Let me be clear. General Barr may, after he puts these goons in prison, he may put me in prison. You don't do what I'm doing right now. Uh, I don't. But I don't think I could live with myself. I've, I thought... I've been waiting for John Durham to act, uh, and it just extended and extended. And when I heard that they were delaying past the election, I say that's a history book. He's yeah. writing a history book. You know, it's not right. And I very respectfully sent a message in that's uh, that said I'm not sure if it's right or wrong for you folks to be asking me to stay silent any longer. But I'm sure it is wrong for me to stay silent. So I'm very sorry. And I'll suffer. The, I'll face the consequences, but I'm not going to sit at this election and not tell the story of John Durham isn't is an acting. You're um, you're a free agent, as we said, but well, you're also a man that has um, been uh, fighting health issues your entire life. You're you're just gonna, you're like screw it. I'm just going to do what I think is right. Yeah. Well, I've also signed a piece of paper that says it's like like literally 15 years for every secret I just told you. <laughs> So our next interview will be in prison, Leavenworth or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a that's a depressing thought. <laughs> no, well, who knows? Who knows? I think if uh, I think that well, 
this isn't just the left that's involved. The deep state is not just that. What's happened? Can I opine for a moment? What oh, please. Mind? What's happened is it is not about brass versus rank and file. What, that's not the problem. The schism is at the top of our federal government. There are now people who are not who got there by being political appointees, but they're not any longer. In other words, it's perfectly appropriate. It's how every government in the world works, that you have the apparatus of the department, and then you have what in some countries they call them commissars. They're political appointees to be over the apparatus. That's how, and there's, I don't know how many thousands of them are, but there are a lot. There's, that's how it works, how it's, that's appropriate. What happened starting about 30 years ago is well, there used to always be a taboo against getting to the of of going from such a position and burying burrowing into the into the yeah. the apparatus. It was considered inappropriate. Thirty or forty years ago, both sides started breaking that. So a bunch of political appointees got to the top not by being great agents and great, but they got to the top through. This stuff, and there's even a there's something called ram spec, ram spec. I think it's named after two senators from the forty. You can ram spec in a federal employee. He start Obama incidentally did this on his last day in office. Like ninety eight uh, people got converted from being political appointees into being civil servants, which means they suddenly have all this civil servant union protection. It was a horrible thing, and I, yeah. I like I'm I'm okay. I don't hate Obama, but he did some. And in general, he was a very classy guy. But things like that are super disrespectful to the republic. And the, but the real problem is there's thousands of them, and so you've got you know people who who work their way up by being great FBI agents or great Navy SEALs or something, up whatever their chain of command is, and they end up not just having political appointees over them. They have these people who are you know, some of them are great, some of them are weenies. And they got there, but they get to the yeah. top not by crawling around in the mud or chasing criminals. They get there by getting appointed by some political party and then burrowing in. That's the problem. That's what has to be, they have to take a blowtorch to it. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not going to endorse either candidate, my entire decision in this election, and I've never voted for a Republican or a Democrat for president, I swear in my life, never voted for either for president. But this whole decision has to be which candidate is going to blowtorch that that crud because it has to be blowtorched for us, our government to start being ours again. So the uh, the administrative state has become the deep state because political apparatchiks have replaced professionals, particularly in, in, in institutions that you have always respected, like the CIA and the FBI. Is that the DOJ, yes. I can't speak. I have no direct knowledge of the CIA, but I hear it's the same thing. But it's the DOJ, the FBI, uh, the the SEC, yeah. and I, the S Intelligence. I've been told that they have blowtorched 2,000 people so far, but the problem is they have another 5,000 or so to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm maybe more a little a little more cynical than you are about it because I do know that there are good people in government, but the incentives – that anyone within government faces are, are the same incentives that politicians face. And I shouldn't speak to them disrespectfully. I speak regularly of Wall Street people that way, but they're not, I shouldn't speak disrespectfully. It's, it, you're right, it's the incentives, it's pu public choice theory. And so I know some of them from both parties and they're fine people. I mean, I'm, I feel bad because in a way I am talking about people I know personally and have been friendly with and they're lovely people, but they got, but 
they in, uh, it's just bad institutional design because what it has created is a situation where the Hatfields and McCoys are the brass. Imagine working in a company where the executive team was Hatfields and McCoys and all the pernicious ripple-on pathologies that would be created by that situation. That's happened in our government. And it's, uh, you know, I know somebody, I was dealing, talking with somebody the other day who's been dealing with HUD and says HUD is 11 stories and the 11 floors and the top layer is the people Trump appointed and the other 10 layers are just fighting everything they do. And this particular person had a wonderful idea and, a one, and had the approval of the 11th floor and says he dealt with somebody on the 10th floor who said, no, we don't want to give Trump the win and came right out and said it to him. So what does that tell you? That within the bureaucracy, people feel comfortable saying to a stranger, a citizen who has been sent in by the bosses to lay out this plan, that would be a wonderful, it, it addresses the homeless problem using for veterans using many uh, tiny homes. It's a wonderful, wonderful, well thought out program. And was told by a HUD official, we don't want to give Trump the win. Yeah, That's not how a government can work and it's inappropriate. That sort of attitude is endemic through the federal government. That's wildly inappropriate. It's third world kind of stuff. And it's not, I grew up with great respect for at least the people who are in those positions and stuff. But that's, in a, that's you know, they're goons. It's goonism. Yeah, goonism. Um, so what's the, let's, let's wrap it up with this. Uh, give me, uh, if you can, the sound bite. What, what do you want people to know about this? And what should they do about it? The entire Hillary investigation, well, first of all, the Obama regime was, hope. well, I'm going to say the deep state under Obama was hopelessly corrupt. I don't know what he was involved in or not, but I believe it's going to turn out Brennan and Comey were, my, this may all have been Brennan's handy work. I think Obama may be being blackmailed. But anyway, and I was told 10 years ago, the kinds of, I was told something specifically in that regard. Uh, that the intelligence community believes about him. Uh, so who knows who's really behind it? But under Obama, the deep state was hopelessly corrupt. The Clinton investigation was not, nobody had any intention of uh, actually enforcing the rule of law. It was all, it turns out, all to have been about getting a Bunsen burner under her. The Russiagate investigation was uh, was being cooked up certainly by September 2015, maybe earlier. It had nothing to do with Trump. It was, be, it was a pre-canned scandal. They were just waiting to, for the day they, they were generating for the day they needed it. And I'd say lastly, the, the thing to know is this all happened because of a culture, because of this thing that has happened within our fed, within our government. And I mean our, like I would say, our automobile family. Uh, so that's a, uh, it's, and the way to fix it is I like I'd never have endorsed a candidate. I'm not going to now, and I've never voted for a Republican. Didn't vote for Trump last time, but this the this election is about deciding which candidate is going to blowtorch this and and change this because uh, whatever before we get to the subjects like what should the minimum wage be fifteen dollars or the federal minimum wage should be fifteen dollars or zero. I uh, uh, before we address questions like that, we have to un. Can I swear on your show? Yes. We have to unfuck our government. And we have, this, we have to unfuck it. And it takes a roto-rooter. And you got to figure out who's going to do that. Because that's the first step. This is, this is like Paraguay or something. What's going on? Let's leave it there. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Patrick, for Thank doing you, this. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for watching Kibbe on Liberty. By now, you know this is the most important event of your week. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Click the little bell so you get notifications. Kibbe on Liberty, mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.